0: The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about
1: you, Cowboys? Yes! Go Cowboys! this, Cowboys? No
2: Cowboys!
0: This is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys
2: World Headquarters
0: at the Star in Frisco.
2: Touchdown! has Prescott keeps it! And he
3: bangs it into the touchdown!
0: And now, your hosts, Isaiah Standback. Nick Harris, John Mashoda, and Kyle Yeomans. What's up y'all?
2: Welcome to another episode of Talking Cowboys. It is a Talking Thursday. Today, talking Thursday, the week's going by kind of fast here. Yep. Uh, myself, Isaiah Stanback, Nick Harris, and John Machota in the building. KY Kyle Yeomans will be in the building sooner than later. Uh, I think his uh his unicycle blue attire, so uh, he's gonna come in a little bit hotter than normal. Uh, but how are y'all doing today? Doing good, doing, doing good. all
4: right. Yeah, Kyle had some heavy shoes, you know, he was, yeah. was pumping that unicycle busted attire. Have so. you been on a unicycle before? I actually have not, I'm not coordinating enough. Really, for all that. no, I can't even ride a skateboard. Like, if it doesn't have like Severe stability, I can't do it. Like see, it's just it's what, not like, gonna work. For like
2: me. unicycles were like man, they were like part of gym class back in the day. I feel like our PE. Not for me, man. really. i would, No way. Am I the only one? I don't know. Man. Is it Seattle don't... just that weird there that might we had be unicycles yeah. in our
3: PE classes? That's actually very on brand. I just see yeah. Yeah. you can see it like a sense. lot of people in Seattle <laughs> just riding unicycles. Does, does it make me a bad person that I came in here and I was kind of relieved? That I wasn't the last person. Oh. Now, I don't want any oh. anything bad to happen to Kyle, obviously. do you talk about I'm his unicycle? Not, or his <laughs> unicycle. But when I texted the group coming in hot because I was running late, I was like, man, I hate being the last I don't want anybody to be waiting because I'm holding the group up. And so when I came in here and I saw an open seat, I was like, all right, I feel a little bit better. I'm not the last person, whatever. But obviously, we want the unicycle to get fixed. Yeah, we got to get the unicycle fixed. Um, But no, that's good, man. So
2: talking Thursday, obviously, we're getting ready for the game with Dallas Cowboys versus Detroit Lions. uh, The fighting Dan Campbells. Uh, We've been hitting on, well, yesterday we hit on offense a little bit um, in terms of Detroit and some of the weapons that they have, some of the issues that they propose. Uh, We talked a little bit about their backfield and their two-headed monster in Montgomery and Gibbs. um, that they they provide, um, and obviously the receiving core um, that they have out there and and who we're worried about, who we're not worried about. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the defense. Okay, we're going to preview that uh, Dallas Cowboys offense versus that defense. But before we get into that, we need to know what's going on around the building. Mr. Nick Harris, any news and notes popping off?
4: Yeah, yesterday was a busy day. Um, we could start with, it was around, uh, right when we got off the show yesterday, um, the Cowboys made the decision to waive uh, linebacker Rashawn Evans, who they signed uh, earlier in the season whenever Leighton Vander Esch went down with his season-ending neck injury. And they activated offensive tackle Matt Willetsko from the injured reserve. And it was met with a lot of... Um, how do I say this? Mm. Hate on Twitter. <laughs> mm. uh, t- Twitter fans were not enjoying it. As the day progressed and the news came out, um, it, it kind of made a little bit more sense as far as context goes as why the Cowboys maybe released him. Um, uh, Mike McCarthy said in his press conference yesterday that you know later in the week there will be more answers to questions and stuff like that. So that leads me to believe that they're open to bringing him back to the practice squad. Mm. Now, he wouldn't be able to play if he came back to the practice squad because he started his season on the practice squad and used all three of his elevations. So if he was to go back to the practice squad, he wouldn't be able to play until the playoffs at the earliest, but for Matt, well, let's go. Uh, it's an opportunity to get back on the field Um, and I'll kind of preview what the injury report is looking like Tyron Smith did not practice yesterday with a back injury and then uh, Chuma Doga popped up with a toe injury so if Mm -hmm. both of those guys can't go then you know Matt Willetsko maybe is is the next man up or Awesome Richards is going to be one of those two guys so uh, it's it's a big big opportunity for Willetsko to not only get on the roster but potentially even play this week and can
2: you remind the people exactly why Will Let's Go wasn't hasn't really been active as yeah. of late?
4: Yeah. So his rookie year he dealt with shoulder sub- subluxation, is that mm, how you say it? Yes I can't sir. say that word. I know it too um, well. but he had it in one shoulder. I forget which one it was last year. It was a, it was a left shoulder. Oh no, he's
2: right tackle, right? So
4: Yeah, but he, he had it in one shoulder last year and now he's got it in the other oh. shoulder this year. Uh that he suffered uh during the preseason. I believe that was the last preseason game against the Raiders when he suffered that uh, shoulder subluxation and he's been on injured reserve since then. Um, He got back on the practice field about three weeks ago. They opened up that 21 day window and he was a full participant from that moment on. So it looks like he's been ready to go It's just about like finding him a spot on the roster and this is his spot. So this is a big opportunity for him to get back on the field.
3: How do you feel (laughs) about the possibility of not having Tyron Smith or I don't think I think Chumo would play, but obviously he's dealing with a toe injury from the game.
2: I am less concerned this week than I was last week. Um, I think the defensive line of Miami Dolphins is a lot more active than that of Detroit Lions. Um, obviously, we'll get into that a little bit more here in a bit. But uh, Detroit Lions' defensive line doesn't scare me. They don't scare me. They're they're solid. They're disciplined. But they don't individually don't fear me. Uh, I, I don't fear them in that regard as I did with Miami.
4: They don't fear they me. They don't fear me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't
2: fear me. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm less concerned about <laughs> – Tyron's availability this week, but obviously, just want him back one hundred percent healthy. So, whatever that requires, if that requires, if he's if he got those shots in his back and now he feels good and he can come back and play this week, then I'll be more than elated. If he can't, then just let you know that he's not one hundred. Hopefully, and he gets back next week, ready, getting ready for the playoffs. You know, as as a warm up for the playoffs. So, um, just want him healthy, man, uh, and want this entire offensive line healthy because to the, to the conversation that we had yesterday, we can't afford any of these guys to be gone. You know we can't shuffle the deck. You know the deck has been shuffled too many times over the past few years, and now you just want guys to be where they where their feet are, and just be constant and be you know steadfast. Just just be be consistent so that Dak can be sure back there. Because when Dak is unsure in terms of his safety, just like any quarterback in this league, you we know what can happen. Um, you saw what happened with Brock Purdy the other day. Brock Purdy was Mister you know bus driver, no interceptions. And all of a sudden he gets a little pressure on him and whoop. Here you go. Take it. Four interceptions later, you know. It, you know he's a different guy, and that's any quarterback you know who doesn't have the ability to necessarily utilize their feet. So we don't want that getting out, having you get out the pocket, um, just cause. So I hope that I hope the Tyron could be there. But shout out to Matt Walesco. Hopefully his his shoulders are, are intact and he's ready to go. You know, your opportunities in this league come from different, various ways, you know, whether it be somebody underperforming. A lot of times it comes from injury. This instance, it came from, you know, we'll let the end of the week tell, but it seems like behavior type stuff. So, um, you know, hopefully he gets his, you know, hopefully he doesn't get an opportunity to play. No disrespect to him. But because of yeah. Tyron but <laughs> if he does get his opportunity I hope that he that he shows out
4: yeah absolutely which leads us into the injury report from yesterday I spoke kind of about Chuma Idoga. Uh and we were talking with Mike McCarthy and kind of the walk-off yesterday after the press conference and he was uh, um, we were kind of talking about well let's go and he's like yeah you know Tyron he's been hurt and you know Chuma got dinged up in the Miami game he's like did that pop up on the injury report yesterday and he kind of looked around he's like He's healthy. He's good. (laughs) But then he did pop up on the injury report (laughs) later that day. Um, So he was limited with a toe injury. Uh, Something to keep an eye on. Obviously, he wasn't listed on Tuesday. Um, We can go down the list here. Rico Dowdle, he's been battling that ankle injury. Mm -hmm. He was limited on Tuesday. He's been limited the last few weeks, but he did not practice yesterday. So maybe something to keep an eye on there. If he can't go, then you're looking at you know Hunter Lipke, Deuce Vaughn. Uh, Malik Davis is out of elevation, so you can't use Malik. So, uh, yeah, it it would be kind of interesting. Thing, uh, uh, a compliment to Tony Pollard. Who would have Why to, do
2: you believe that they elevated Malik and did not utilize him? Special teams.
4: He was he was no. utilized on special teams all three games. He was the. Uh, uh what what's what's right in front of the uh, the kick return or what do you call that just like the first protector first basically yeah, yeah. yeah first, just yeah. off the offset yeah so he, he was utilizing that role all three games and every yeah. single kick return so uh he was helping out turpin in those instances um uh, but yeah didn't really use him in the backfield much especially you know when the running game wasn't really working in miami it kind of surprised me that they didn't at least try him a couple times just to see what yeah. you know he could bring to the table from a running game perspective uh we'll keep going here um let's see jonathan hankins once again did not practice Malik Hooker was back to a full participant yesterday that's a good sign Hunter Limpke as well with his thigh injury was back to a full participant Uh, Zach Martin did not practice yesterday with rest Uh, no worries there Uh, Zach Martin continues to not practice and then Matt Waleska was a full participant with his shoulder so um, kind of a couple of things to keep an eye on as the week goes on Um, yeah it's it's going to be an interesting week especially if Rico Dattle can't go and and or tyron smith slash chuma yadoga then then you're starting to work a lot of things before saturday
2: i know thursday usually gives us a lot more information in terms of guys probability for availability on on the game day sundays typically this week is going to be saturday night obviously all right at&t but what's you guys' confidence level right now in the availability of jonathan hankins
3: so i would say tyron smith is ahead of jonathan hankins hmm. and We'll know later today when the, the injury report comes out, because today will be like a Friday. Yep. And last week, Tyron was doubtful, and I'm pretty sure, I'm like 99.9% sure that there has not been a person listed as doubtful that's played this season for the Dallas Cowboys. So if you see Tyron Smith as doubtful, or Jonathan Hankins as doubtful, you know that they're, they're most likely not playing. I think Tyron's going to be questionable. I don't know about Hankins, so I, I I feel... A lot more confident, because if they list you a question, I think it's like 50-50 that you're going to play or whatever. I think that's closer to 60 or 70 percent that Tyron plays. I think for Jonathan Hankins, it's 40.
4: Yeah, I, I was putting it about 30-40. I bet Hankins is doubtful. Smith is questionable. Um, and there's only been one player in the entire league this year that's played when listed as doubtful, and it was Max Crosby a few weeks ago. So. No kidding, okay. Yeah, so it's, it's, he's the only he's one. Different. <laughs> he yeah. is, he's he's different. different. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if they were playing the Chiefs. Like, he's not going to miss that game. So, uh, But, yeah, if I, that, that's kind of my prediction. We'll have game designations come out of today since today is technically a Friday in the building, and then tomorrow would be a Saturday. So, uh, yeah, definitely some things to keep an eye on as far as injuries go.
2: I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it one bit, man. Um, what's, what's it looking like over there in Detroit? Are they are they looking relatively healthy right now? Yeah, or? yeah uh,
4: okay. w- one moment, get, yeah. Give me, Sorry, I threw the curveball. I mean, all things considered, yeah. for this time of year, they,
3: they they are. Yeah, I mean, there's like a couple guys that are on their injury list, but in terms of this part of the season, where you look at so many teams that have lost like key guys, because um, early in the year they lost Chauncey Gardner Johnson, and he has been be- like working back into practice. I don't know if he'll come back for this game, but they're ramping him up so that he could potentially be back uh, for for the start of the playoffs. But their safeties have actually played pretty well, so it'll be interesting to see how he works back into that mix. But it seems like it would be iffy for him to return for this game, but he's he's obviously a, a really good player. I thought... I thought he was a huge part of the Eagles last year. Like I, they just kind of helped in putting them over the top. Also by the way, when the Athletic pulled anonymous players throughout the league, he was by far and away the winner for biggest trash talker in the NFL. So, just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> he, it's not a surprise. How oh, did one. Ramsey? What? Yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, Ramsey wasn't really chirpy yeah, this last wasn't. week. he wasn't. He, he was not. I don't know. I don't know what was going on there. Was he bored? or I don't, I don't know. know. He it didn't was follow, so maybe that was a part of it. Maybe, maybe. Uh, for Detroit, uh, their starting left tackle, Taylor Decker, um, uh, did not practice yesterday with a groin injury. He was limited on Tuesday and then was downgraded to a did not practice. So that is that is one thing to keep an eye on as the week goes on. As far as everybody else, we mentioned it yesterday. Uh, backup tight end Brock Wright, uh, who's kind of worked in whenever Laporta's off the field. He did not practice yesterday. Uh, but as far as everybody else, like Panay Sewell's on there. Frank Ragnall is on there. But they're full participants. And and then cj gardner johnson remains limited but he still needs to be activated from the ir to play on on saturday all right
2: that's it so all right, there goes the dallas cowboys uh injury report and a little update there and the detroit lions uh, when we come back we're gonna take a little bit deeper dive into what this defense is looking like of the detroit lions and how they can try to slow down the offense of the dallas cowboys right here on talking
0: cowboys todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable and now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details.
1: Black Rifle Coffee Company serves premium coffee to people who love America. When you drink Black Rifle Coffee, you are directly supporting veterans, law enforcement, and first responders in your community. Black Rifle's expert roasters love coffee almost as much as Texas loves football, so it makes sense that America's Coffee partnered with America's team. Go online at blackriflecoffee.com and fuel up with the official coffee of the Dallas Cowboys.
2: nothing says thanks girl better than a one-of-a-kind soda yes any dr pepper flavor will do now just a reminder that i don't need to be a real doctor to know that dr pepper is the one you
0: deserve back to Talkin' cowboys
2: Welcome back to Talking Cowboys on a Talking Thursday. This portion of the Talking Cowboys is brought to you by Quaker Oats, a super trusted superfood. Quaker Oats, the official oatmeal sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. You guys get your oats in? Uh,
4: did you? Did you? That, you know, I, you know <laughs> we didn't. We don't did eat breakfast. Did I get my oats in? I mean, come on. Huh? You've you, probably eaten more oats this morning than we have ever before 10 a.m. in No. No doubt. Probably. Yeah. No doubt.
2: I'm like, I think we might have talked about this. What do you put in your oats?
3: I mean... I uh, probably would put strawberries in if I ate Oh, you're a strawberry guy. Yeah. I'm more of like a brown sugar cinnamon guy. Me too. Yeah.
2: Me too. I'm brown sugar cinnamon and I like a little, oh, not cinnamon, but a brown sugar for sure
3: and raisins or craisins. Okay. Preferably so craisins. So are, are you turning it into like, <laughs> we had a joke yesterday with some I can't put spot. strawberries in a hot in a hot food. I don't need oats so I don't know what you could put in I'm just thinking of like what you would cook up with like some cereal that I would like okay. but anyway like I always think it's funny when someone gets a special salad special k guy over here someone gets a salad and they get like bacon and ranch and all stuff to where it's yeah. like it's not even really healthy at this point like that's what I'm thinking like these yeah. oats are just like it starts off as the it base, starts off is pretty base is solid and by the time you guys are done you're just like yeah it's kind of a
2: dessert now Oh, man. All right. Well, y'all, it's time to talk a little bit of defense for the Detroit Lions and what they can potentially do or what problems they present for the Dallas Cowboys.
4: Hold up. Does that mean it's time for some?
0: Wide 80. Wide 80. It's time for QB
2: Vision with Isaiah Stanback. I like it, Nick. That's a good little intro right there. All right, let's get into the details a little bit. The Detroit Lions All right, right off the back, As soon as you start talking about the Detroit Lions and their defense, I really believe that the ethos of their team is on defense. I think that Dan Campbell has these guys running and hidden. Aaron Glenn, my former teammate here at the Dallas Cowboys, the defensive coordinator. Um, he was a cornerback here in Dallas, and now he's a D coordinator down at Detroit. There is an identity with this team, and I believe that the physicality is a requirement in order to be on the field for the defense of the Detroit Lions. When you think about what they're doing scheme-wise, it's not a lot of craziness, but you have to have your antennas up. These guys want to come out and be very base. They want to come out with their base defense, and they want to play downhill. They, number one, they want to stop the run. That is right off the bat. They want to stop the run. They got some big fellas in the middle. These jokers are huge. I know we talked about how big it, <laughs> the guys of Miami Dolphins were. Um, they were big and athletic, more Aaron Donald-ish, right, kind of quick twitch. These guys for the Detroit Lions are just big nasties up front, as as Nate Newton would call them.
4: Fourth best rush defense in the NFL.
2: Yeah, they're, they're kind of stout. They're stout, and this computer's not... Gelling with me, but I'm trying to pull up their sizes here so that you guys have a little bit greater understanding. Uh, Isaiah Bugs, big man up front. How big is this dude? 6'3, three, 335. Okay, playing right next to him is another big joker in uh, Benito Jones, and he is 6'1", 335. So when you start talking about the ability to move guys off the ball and move them backwards, uh, the probability level is relatively low. um, Unless you're trying to find a way to get double teams and get combo blocks to be able to push up to the next level. So as we talk about trying to get Tony Pollard, getting him going more frequently, this may not be the best game for that, (laughs) (laughs) Um, at least inside the tackles however I do believe that they're that they're kind of soft on the edges and that's kind of surprising to me because of how much we've talked about Aiden Hutchinson and how important he is to this team Um, he hasn't been as active as he has been in recent years at least on film he's not popping off the film to me Um, I think he's still giving great effort but it seems like his technique is nowhere near what it used to be and I'm not sure what that I'm not sure why um, but he's less effective to me, on film than he has been in recent years. You know, that's we're talking about Aiden Hutchinson. Yes, we are.
4: That's, that's popped out to me as well. Yeah. And you think of the problems that has happened with Mozzie Smith in his rookie year mm-hmm. and where both of them went to college. I don't know. It's just something to think about. Like, is it, it's, it's technique maybe something that's being lacked at Michigan? Mm. So you're um, picking
3: Bama?
2: I'm
4: picking Bama. <laughs> oh, Jalen Milroe.
2: Bama versus yeah. Washington, baby. Let's go. If you want to <laughs> let it go, let Milroe throw. Oh, gosh. So, okay. Uh, Interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, no. So I'm glad that I'm not the only one that's seeing that. Aiden Hutchinson, as much as you hear his name, you're going to continue to hear his name in terms of effort. Uh, the next man that you're going to hear in regards to effort is a gentleman that's right behind him and Alex Anzalone. Okay, Alex Anzalone, he is going to be number 34. Um, and then uh, outside of that it's going to be Jack Campbell. Those those guys, to me, uh, are the energy buses defensively for them, at least in that front seven. It's going to be very difficult to get get the ball moving on the ground. That's what I foresee, at least.
4: Do you like Jack Campbell? I, I think coming out, I, I really enjoyed what he did in a Big Ten defense and mm-hmm. was able to be that run stopper and yep. that consistent run guy. And I think he has a lot of that, but I think there's just some things he lacks from a physicality standpoint. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know if he's can be as physical as he needs to be whenever offensive linemen are pushing yeah, into the second yeah, level. Yeah. That could just be a rookie thing. Like, sure. You need a couple of years to adjust to that, but what have you seen from that? Yeah,
2: I, I agree. I don't see the, that, the physicality from him, but I do see decisiveness in terms of him coming downhill. Like he wants to come downhill. He wants to stop the run, and I think he has the free range to do so because of those big guys in the middle. When you got seven hundred you know, close to 700 pounds in front of you, it's yeah. relatively easy to be able to roam free um, and pick whatever hole that you want to and then and, and make sure that you're gap disciplined, and that's what these guys are defensively and in terms of their rush their running defense uh, they're very gap disciplined. they're not hopping around they're not doing a bunch of stunts their big guys are literally too gapping meaning that they're just literally just grabbing on to alignment pushing them away from them and then kind of peeking over the shoulders kind of playing a hide and go seek while they're trying to progress him backwards um that you know progress off office alignment backwards and then they're letting these linebackers just come and shoot that shoot the gaps um the problem that I foresee, okay, that that they do a really good job of is whenever they do want to get after the quarterback, they widen the entire line out. Very similar to what to what Dan Quinn does with our defensive line whenever he wants to elicit pressure. He widens the guys out to his D tackles out to five techniques. His 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 defensive ends go to freaking ten, eleven techniques, whatever you want to call it. Okay. They're really wide and he isOs um that center. Right. But the thing is, instead of being a Micah Parsons where he's isolating right up the middle, these guys are bringing pressure off the edges. And how that causes issues is it really opens up the gaps between the tackles and the offensive guards. What happened?
4: I'm thinking of left tackle.
2: Yeah. Not yeah, about tackle. And that's so the math, the fact that you bring that up, that's what I'm seeing on film. Whenever they want to elicit pressure, they're really widening those defensive alignments, stretching out your responsibilities as an offensive line, and they're just natural seams. There's natural seams. Now, if it, they're typically doing that on passing downs, so you don't even have a threat of run. because uh, typically if you see five techniques out there with the defensive tackles and, and eleven techniques with DMs, you're like, okay, just run it up the middle. Whereas typically on passing downs they're doing this. And they bring their pressure from the edges. And this is where Aaron Glenn has these guys locked in. Uh, Not only are they gap disciplined up front, when they want to bring pressure, and I think they they have the seventh best pressure rate in the league right now, I believe, if I'm correct. Yeah, seventh best, Dallas is number one. Okay, they are bringing it from wherever, but it's usually one guy. Typically, is one guy. Every so often, they'll bring two, right? But they usually bring a one guy, and he'll they, come from anywhere. It could be a cornerback from the field. It could be an outside linebacker. It could be a safety from 17 yards deep. It's crazy how these guys bring pressure, and they don't tip it off. That's the thing. They don't tip it off. I Trust me, I was looking for a key. I was looking for some kind of cue. There was nothing. Yep. The only thing that I was able to find that may raise Dax antennas up a little bit is when teams motion if you motion in the direction of of their of their of their obviously if you if you motion across the formation when they adjust over it's almost like a green light for them to go and it's really weird i was looking for it to be consistent obviously it's not nothing that you see is going to be 100% right they're just not going to do that but it was a high Percentage from the film that I watched that whenever you motion across the formation, when they adjust over, it almost gives that nearside guy the green light to just go. Regardless of what his responsibilities were before, you motion across and he's like, all right, I get the I get the green light to go blitz. And it's almost every single time that I've seen it. Um, so with that, I would say be very wary in terms of what you're doing motion wise. And if you're doing so, like use it as bait because you're, cause you know what type of action that you're going to get from them, what type of reaction, um, but something to keep your antennas up on um, as you guys are watching film, as you guys get ready to watch the game. Whenever if we motion across that formation, keep your eyes on that second level because somebody most likely is coming, and there's nothing that they're doing that gives you an indication of who's coming, but you just typically know the area in which it's coming from. Um did you? Is there anything that you guys saw on film in terms of pressure wise? For
4: pressure wise, I think if if it can be limited mm-hmm. and you can find a stride and being able to limit the pressure that's coming in, there's opportunities in that secondary. Oh it's yes, it's a really young secondary. I know you'll dive into yeah. it. I I think that's where Detroit has had the most struggle in the last Correct. few weeks, as far as you know, they they've kind of gone through some lumps in the past. Uh, going into like going into Thanksgiving, obviously that Thanksgiving game against Green Bay, and then kind of since then they've been up and down depending on uh, what game you watch. But I I, I think there's opportunities to find some things in in that secondary over the top.
2: There is, and being that these guys are so adamant about stopping the run, being that their linebackers are very aggressive, their D-line wants to just come downhill forward, they're not doing stunts, they just want to play vertical, they are overly aggressive towards the run. And because they're overly aggressive towards a run, there's a lot of plays that you can get going against them in the play action game. You can get behind their second level because their linebackers can't cover. Their linebackers, their hips are locked up like Akon. They just they don't open. Okay, <laughs> um, but there's there's <laughs> exactly so there's plenty of opportunities there. However, however, their safeties do an amazing job of disguising coverage. Amazing job. This is probably the best I've seen out of disguises of safeties and what their responsibilities are since I played back with Pittsburgh and Troy Polamalu had a freedom to do whatever the heck he wanted to. This is probably the best, and I know that's a that's a big comparison. I'm not saying that these guys are Palomalu, but I'm saying what they're doing with their coverages and their disguises and how the how they're rolling to coverages very late, right? I mean, yes, it's, it's, it's one second after the snap, these guys are then rolling. Sometimes these guys are, have their safety all the way down in the box, and these guys are running back like Troy used to back in the day, or in Ed Reed, right? You think about those guys that had the freedom to be at the line of scrimmage, and then they're jetting out, spreading you know 20, 25 yards back. That's what these guys do. So in terms of Dak identifying what he believes it to be pre-snap and what he sees it to be post-snap, I think that may present a problem. He's going to have to do a really good job of looking at finding those guys, finding out what he believes that they're supposed to be doing, um, and then getting that confirmation. Because you can really get tricked in terms of where these guys end up after the ball is snapped. And that's a little bit worrisome to me just because of how I know where our guys are typically open. Our guys are typically open on the, in the middle of the field. That's usually where we, we like to eat up the middle of the field. And these safeties are all over the place. And don't mess up because their safeties are ball hawks. Both of their safeties are ball hawks. And the guy who sticks out on film to me, out of more than anybody else on their team, sorry, this doggone... Thing just blowing mm-hmm. out on me. Okay, here we go. Uh, number six. Yeah, go for that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah it's Melifanwu. There you go. You said the name. What's the name? It's Ifedu it, Melifanwu. There you go. What he said. If, 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 Ife. 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 Yeah, there you go. He's a beast. He's a beast. And I don't know if anybody else perceives it that way, but I do. And he pops off the film to me. He to me more than anybody else on this defense. To me, I feel like he. <clears throat> Everything revolves around his ability to, to play at the line of scrimmage, to play in coverage, to be a ball hawk, to run and hit. Like He's the guy that jumps off the film to me when I watch the game. And I've watched multiple games, and it's consistent. And either, he's, either he's intercepting the ball, either he's coming down and playing coverage uh, from, a, from the safety position. He's coming down and he's playing coverage, or he's hitting a mess out of somebody if they're coming across the field. He's making you pay. So you better find out where the heck he's at at all times. Like, if there's one guy that I'm saying, hey, come out there and Dak, circle him and find him, number six is the guy.
4: Who would you compare him to?
2: Ah, oh, man. you got. He's uh, long. That's he's the difference. He's lanky, man. Yeah. He's lanky and he's rangy. Mm-hmm. And unlike a lot of other safeties, they're not sitting back and kind of waiting for the ball to come to them. That makes sense. Like, they're going to get the ball. It's almost like if the ball's in the air, like in their head, that's their ball. Like they're they're all their guys are aggressive that way, but especially him. He has the ability to actually bring it down. Um, I don't know who I would compare him to. I really don't. I feel like he's. I feel like he is like our version of Malik Hooker, but with more more aggressive. And, and Malik's been playing more aggressive as of late. But like I feel like because they don't run that three safety look like Dallas does, he's required. I'm talking about Ife that is. He's required yep. to cover more. Ground, and because of that, you see him flying all over the place. But he's the guy that causes me concern. Not Adam. Not 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 Hutch. Not any of these other guys. Not uh, you know Anzalone. Those are all effort guys. If I'm concerned about anybody on their defense, is number six.
4: The uh, comparison that NFL.com gave him whenever he was uh, during the draft process was Trumaine Johnson, which is mm-hmm. very very specific. He was a long kind of. Uh, rangy defensive back he, he he played more corner but he played a lot of safety as well mm-hmm. so that's that's interesting um a couple of numbers i wanted to throw at you here yeah. because i'm honestly if tyron smith plays on on sunday or saturday um and there's an opportunity to limit that pressure coming off the left mm-hmm. side i'm not worried about this defense yeah mm-hmm. i'm really not uh, you look at the past defense 24th in the nfl um you look at sacks generated would you guess what number that they are in the nfl probably based either. on their pressure rate, 7th and pressure rate. Yeah, they're not getting sacks. 24th. Yeah. And and as far as getting to the quarterback. Yeah. So, uh, they beat up, they beat up Denver. They beat the yeah. crap out of Denver. Yeah. <laughs> oh my as goodness. long as they can keep Dak clean and we've seen what Dak can do whenever he is clean in the pocket yeah. this year, I think this this offense is yep. fine. It's it's I'm kind of expecting the shootout that we expected last week yeah. and and this one, but um yeah, I I I think if Tyron Smith goes this offense is fine. If Tyron Smith can't go, I still feel like there's opportunities. It's just there's going to be a little bit more
3: pressure off that left side as we saw against Miami. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree with you on that. I, I I mean, obviously, it's better with Tyron, but there's something about this team when they play at home. And then the other thing that stands out to me is that there was so much talk after that Niners game about how C.D. didn't get, didn't get the ball enough. And now the following week, I think it, I mean, his targets went from five against San Francisco, I think seven uh, against the Chargers. But when they came back after the bye, that's when it was like, you know, 12, 14 targets yeah. per game. Man, I got a feeling that they're just they're gonna go they're coming out passing from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think, I just see this being a big game for, yep. for CeeDee Lamb. Uh, you know, I thought it was interesting yesterday how Dak was talking about how like, you know, C D needs three receptions to pass Michael Irvin. Obviously Michael Irvin will be in the building, at least we yeah. think with you know, Jimmy Johnson going to the Ring of Honor. Just everything about this, knowing how the Lions play defensively, I'm like, why are you just gonna run into a brick wall? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a team I think it's 3.6, 3.7 yards per carry. I mean, this is one of the best run defenses in the league. I get that you're going to have to run the ball at some point, um, but I would oh, I would I think that they're going to start by trying, trying okay. to go up tempo and, and try and move the ball around. One one player I wanted to ask about, not about lions as yeah. much, is you know you see that you see that catch that that Jalen Tolbert makes yeah. in Miami. You know, what, what do you think that that potentially does for a guy's confidence? Not that he needed a confidence booster, but to pull down a big catch like that in a big moment,
2: it's huge for him. It's even greater for Dak. Yeah. It's, it's huge for Jalen Tolbert to get affirmation of his of his self confidence. But it's even greater for Dak in this offense to know that, hey, in for a contested catch, right, there's somebody outside of CD, there's somebody outside of Cooks, there's somebody outside of Gallup, right, that we know that can make a contested catch. And this young fella came to play. He's been coming along all year long. And when we when we need him most, he's apparently gonna be there. And I think That assurance to this offense and the people who are in charge of calling the plays and and running the operation of the plays is absolutely huge. I actually asked him that yesterday. Hey guys.
5: (laughs) Hey, Hey, how are you doing, Kyle? (laughs) Hey, Kyle. I asked him that yesterday in the locker room. I said, uh, hey, first off, nice play. Second off, what does that do? And he said basically the same thing. He's like, honestly, it, it reminded me of who I used to be, mm. which I really liked him coming out of the draft at South Alabama. He was a contested catch guy, mm. but he was doing it against future accountants in that in the Sun Belt. He wasn't doing it against top notch professional corners and defensive backs. Like he was, he was having to make Are plays. Those guys your accountants, huh? Are they your accountants now? They're not my accountants. <laughs> Don't
4: make fun of the fun Belt. All right, <laughs> sorry.
5: Uh, but he was. That's the thing. Is he he. He said, "At times, I forgot who I was, yep. and that was another play where it's like I'm back. Yep. I'm I am who I once was, and so yeah, it's a confidence boost for him. But I agree with you. I think that now it gets to the point where you're in a similar similar situation, and you're throwing the ball down the field, and you're going, okay, there's CD, he's covered. There's Gallup or whoever cooks covered. There's Jalen Tolbert. Let me throw him the ball. Yeah, and uh, I chance, think that's yeah. huge." it adds another weapon somebody that you can rely on yep
4: really quick on the note about CD only needing three receptions on Saturday night he also needs only 179 yards to mm. to break Irvin's record so if mm. he gets both that would be That'd be fascinating. That'd be dope.
3: That'd, that'd be fascinating. Be, on Jimmy yeah.
5: Johnson day, yeah, at Irvin the will be in the building. Yeah.
3: That'll be yeah. that'll be interesting. That'll be awesome. I just feel like you just expect this game to be Detroit's gonna do everything that they can to run the ball, mm-hmm. keep keep Dallas's offense yep. off the field, <clears throat> and then if Dallas gets a chance to throw the ball over the yard, which they should, mm-hmm. then then they'll be at their best. But I just I look at the way that both these teams have played all season and, and I don't think that it's I don't know. I think that this is the biggest game. If, if either one of these teams, whoever wins, it will be their biggest win of the season. That's, that's fair. That's a fair, yeah, fair assessment.
5: I, I think it would be my my biggest win for the Cowboys in terms of confidence level. I can tell you about that a little bit more. I kind of want to talk about that when we come back. Y'all didn't take a second break, right? Nope, no sir. <laughs> you want to take it the break? I say you did no, a good job it, the man. first We're time around. around <laughs> we'll be back with more talking Cowboys right after this.
0: 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details.
5: Back to Talkin' Cowboys. <laughs> this this segment of the show is brought to you by Invisalign, the official smile of the Dallas Cowboys. Isaiah Standback's smiling over there. Oh, gosh. I listened to you guys on the way in. It was great. Oh god! Awesome. While you were changing your tire? Yeah, while I was changing the tire. I still yeah. got like... Like I noticed stuff. I noticed on my on my hands. You have stuff yeah. all over your hands from. Yeah. I've <laughs> got grime all over. Yeah. It's, it's rough. It's a rough day out there. It's okay. Nothing too exciting. Just had a flat tire on the way in. All right. I want to tell you why this game specifically, and I want to see what you guys think about this as well. If, if Dallas falls in this game, it almost feels like their one shield of armor, their one plate of armor, has been penetrated, and that's home field advantage, right? That's that's what it feels like. Is when you get to that point in time where you can go into the playoffs and have that one thing you can rely on, and yeah. that's your home field, and that gets just upended by the Detroit Lions. <laughs> I, I, I can't stand you. <laughs> I Isaiah is so giggly today. He's so he's. <laughs> uh, it's just as soon as I walk in the building. You okay? Did you choke up on your tea?
4: Yeah, my tea. Yeah. Yeah, I got stuck. <clears throat> I yeah, The good. thing is though it's not looking like they're going to play at home in the playoffs. I mean, no. unless unless a couple of things happen on wild card You obviously
3: weekend. don't have any confidence on the road though. Not right now. Yeah. Man, in 3 games in a row losing to Buffalo, Miami, and Detroit, it would be, you know, three quality opponents. Mm-hmm. Beating Washington the following week does nothing, nothing. for you in terms Absolutely. of your confidence, Absolutely nothing.
5: It could be 50. But it could nothing. build yeah. your confidence to say, "Okay, we're still the same team if you get a win against Detroit." Yeah. You can build that confidence to say this is the same team we just had a couple down weeks against Miami. And Buffalo, and they just happened to be on the road. Yeah. So from where my confidence level has wavered, it hasn't wavered a whole lot this year. I think this team is right where you expected them to be. I picked them to go 11-6, and 12-5, like right around there. And they're there. This is where that team was expected to be, whether they win the division or not. That's mostly outside of their their own control. But with this win, I think my confidence would go further up than it has and i think my confidence would take a hit if they do end up losing more than any other loss this year
4: yeah i can understand that i think i think for me i, I think the biggest confidence booster for this team was that win against philadelphia uh, mm-hmm. just because the commanding fashion that it happened i don't could you say that's the only confidence boost for this team this year so far this year um, in terms of a
5: singular win i know they've blown some teams out
4: i but. mean like that win against the Rams coming out of the bye week, and you look back on that too, especially how the Rams have been playing recently. Yeah, they didn't have Kyron Williams. Yes, Cooper Cup was still getting back on the field and used to things. But like you look back on that, a twenty-three point win coming out of the bye week at a time when they had a lot of self-reflection in that time, that was a big win. This win would be bigger. A Detroit mm-hmm. win would definitely be bigger. But as far as Philadelphia goes, I mean, a twenty-point win against you know the team that made the Super Bowl last year, the team that won the NFC, I, I think that proves what this team can be on their best day. Uh, and, I'm sure it would give them confidence if they had to go back up to Philly in um, in January.
5: What do you think?
2: My answer is not going to be received well. I I feel like this team gained more confidence last week. Okay. Honestly, I think that the question marks the question marks re- revolving around this team are: can you hang with a team that can score points on your defense Game and run the ball? And I mean, yeah, right. But being able to stop the run. It was, it was huge for this team. And facing the Miami Dolphins, which are obviously, what, fourth in the league in rushing um, and number one in passing and keeping them to 22 points, like that to me is a huge confidence booster. Um, knowing that minor errors. Were the reason why you know correctable errors were the reason why you lost the ball game. You know, you talk about Tony Pollard not scoring. That's that's something he could change. Like he just has to trust his speed. And you talk about the following play, Hunter Lipke. You know, just not securing the ball. Like those that changes the game. Um, and I feel like if you convert on those things, you win the ball game. And Miami to me is one of the most threatening teams in the league. From to me, they're one of the most threatening teams in the league because you you just feel as if you can't stop them from scoring, mm-hmm. and to me, I believe that they gained a ton of confidence last week off of that, knowing that, hey, they had all their guns. They had all their guns, right? They had Raheem Mostert. They had, you know, uh, A-chan. They had, you know, Tyreek Hill. They had Waddle. They had everybody, and you still held them, and you handled them relatively well and kept them in check. It just your offense had some issues, right? They just fumbled the rock. They had a couple other things they didn't convert on. To me, I gained more confidence with that this t- this part of the year than anything else that's really happened this year. That's not to say that Philadelphia wasn't important in any of those other things that everybody's probably going to have a rebuttal on. But to me, last week, knowing how close you were and knowing that easy easy corrections changes the the outcome of that game, that,
3: that gives me more confidence than anything. I agree with you. And I think it's funny because of the fact of how many teams would you sit there and say that I want to take it another step. I want to say I'm going to to go to the third game that I think is most important. I would agree with you on that. And it's two losses now because Mm -hmm. I would say the loss at Philadelphia, the way they played there, come back, win five games in a row off of that. You know, I think as you're leaving the press box when they lost in Philly, you're like, yeah, they're probably going to be pretty down. But when you're in the locker room, like I said at the time, and I I say again now, that's the most up I've seen a locker room after a loss in any time I've covered the Cowboys they roll off win five in a row. So that's one of the top three most important games they've had this year. I think the Miami one's there, too. But I would say number one for me would be the, the win against Philly. But yeah. but if they beat the Lions on, on Saturday night, just where this Lions team's at, how well that they've played, being a division champ, um, I think that would that would take over the top spot for me. You know what's kind
4: of fascinating? They've been through a stretch like this already this season. You, you look back to the loss in San Francisco pretty demoralizing you look back to the loss in buffalo similar things then the very next week in both of those instances you need a late offensive score to take the lead you need one defensive stop to Mm -hmm. win the game they get that in la they don't get that in miami Hmm. but they're able to score and you know make that game what it was and then cd's talking about coming out of both of those games just feed me feed me basically and they come out of the bye weekend what does he do he rattles off what is that Mm -hmm. three straight straight. 150 yard 10 reception plus games so maybe they fall back on what they know works and that's feeding CD and especially in a moment like this in a game like this I think this is CD's game
5: just because you guys brought it up especially Isaiah mentioned it a second ago it probably isn't received well to say that hey you're you're building confidence from losses I'm going to play devil's advocate here I actually do just disclaimer I do agree with what you guys are saying but just as a devil's advocate is that a losing mindset to say hey two of our three most confident building games this year have been in losses. No. Or is that just a, a mindset to say, hey, we, we're we not
2: okay with losing, yeah, but we're okay with learning lessons along the everything's way? Everything's perspective, right? Everything's perspective. Understanding, like, there's no question this team doesn't have any quit. There's no question about that, okay? You know, they got their butts kicked a few times this year, but they don't have any quit in them. So knowing that, for, for, for me, you learn more from – the, your, the, the losses, you learn more from adversity that you've faced in your life. I mean, I think majority of people do. So to say that you gain more confidence because of the lessons that you learn in those games, to me doesn't sound crazy. Yeah. I don't need a pat on my back for beating a team. Don't pat me on my back for beating a team. Tell me what I did wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, tell me how I can get better. Like, that's 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 my outlook on life. Like, okay. Well, I shouldn't say this on here, but, yeah, there's some, there's some awards that I've gotten that I was actually showing my mother-in-law yesterday. She's like, why don't you have this put up? I'm like, like I, I did it? Like, what's next? Yeah. Like, what's next? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how can I get better from it? I don't need to keep looking back and seeing, oh, yeah, good job. That was awesome. Like, I don't need to look at that. You know? I think like, the
4: difference is, though, they don't have those plaques on the wall. Okay. That they don't have the plaques to put on the wall. I think yeah. that's the whole. I think that's the whole frustration around this team is okay. The, the, looking like a third straight season of an eleven twelve win type year. Uh, what, what do you get out of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, three straight divisional rounds or mm-hmm. three straight you know wild card slash divisional rounds. That's what fans are expecting For at sure. this point because you come off of two losses against really good teams on the road, knowing that you're going to have to do that same exact thing in January. Mm-hmm. And I understand where the fans are coming from. So because uh, they don't have those you know accolades under Mike McCarthy or even under Jason Garrett yep. going back under Dak Prescott got so i think there's a little bit of difference there because they have to prove that they can stay in that realm when january comes and i think if you can win in january then it's a completely different story
2: i agree but like regardless of like how people perceive it everything that you could talk about in regards to the dallas cowboys is history history and that's anything right you could say now i have more confidence because of what their history shows me right but in regards to the opportunities that are in front of you you're in the playoffs that's yes, your number. I mean, that's number one goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give me an opportunity to go home to Lombardi,
4: right now. One playoff. <laughs> I, I I hear you, but
2: but in order to even have a shot, yeah. you got to get in the playoffs, and that's just the reality. That's taking emotion out of it. Yeah. So now that I'm in there, okay. Now I'm in there, okay. I need to put myself in the best position to go on a four game win streak. That's it. Don't care how I get in there. Yep. Right, now there's preferred methods Get of getting the in there. Right, now, there's preferred methods in Get terms home of home fields, easier routes, and things yeah. of that nature. But at the end of the day, I need a four game stretch in two weeks.
4: Uh, me and Kyle kind of <laughs> talked about this yesterday, and I'll let him take it here. But the Rangers had a very similar kind of
5: yeah, you know, yes, kind yes. of yeah. run. We walked outside yesterday to media availability, and uh, "Take Me Higher" by Creed was playing. Mm. I was like, "Wow, maybe they're trying to channel their inner Texas Rangers." Because if you look at the Texas Rangers and the way that they
3: played down the stretch, and, and I know this is a football show, but hold tight—I I promise it does relate. No, a lot of the similarities you're going to say are very similar to Mike McCarthy's 2010 Packers team. But going, wow, interesting—I didn't know that. I mean, they weren't on. that great. At, they weren't that great in December. Nope, and they they
5: pitter-pattered down the stretch. They weren't very good on the road all season long. I'm talking about the Rangers specifically. They, and they, they blew the division late. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Let's not blow the division mm-hmm. late and let's see if we can still win that thing. Mm-hmm. you got two weeks left to try and For do sure. that. But let's say that it, the, the probabilities reign true and you do end up losing the division. Well, the Texas Rangers still found a way mm-hmm. to go through the toughest route in the American League and beat... The top teams, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Baltimore Orioles, and then, of course, the Houston Astros. Yep. To get to the World Series, and then they won every single road game along the way. It can happen. Absolutely. It has happened in pro sports this year. It's happened in your city this year. So, yeah, like you said, get in the dang tournament and see if you can
3: figure it out from there. 20, get on a run. I just don't worry as much about communication and baseball on the road as I do. <laughs> it's a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of wild, a though. The bit way, home, home thing I wanted to talk about real quick is just... That Tom Brady's the last quarterback to beat the beat the Cowboys at AT&T Stadium. That just sounds weird. Whoa, that is weird. How and weird it, is that going to sound strange. if they win against Detroit and they
5: don't play at home again right. until <laughs> right.
3: later next year? The other one I was thinking of is that Tyler Smith. That was like that's the only home loss that he's been part of. Mm-hmm. So he just is used to just walking in the locker room like, yeah, we just win wherever we're Gotta here. Win. <laughs> like he's had, he's been part that's of the one. first
4: time that he's had back to back losses. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah It's strange. Um, looking at the 2010 Packers really quick, they had two December losses, both of them on the road, um, to Detroit and New England, and then obviously rattled off six straight wins to win the Super Bowl. But the difference there, they didn't lose a game by more than four points all season.
3: They went 10-6 and mm-hmm. six in the regular season. And, and I don't think they had Rodgers for both of those losses. Yeah. I think they he's played one, a little bit in the Detroit game, and then Matt Flynn came in. I think Matt Flynn played the other game too. So Matt it's Flynn, not apples
4: to apples. Matt but, Flynn, Tyler Legacy High School, let's go. Obvi- uh, but they obviously. had to go on the road in the playoffs. <laughs> (laughs) Playoffs, uh, the uh, in the playoffs they had to go win at Philadelphia, at Atlanta, at Chicago. So I mean, it's been done by Mike McCarthy. We'll see.
3: Yeah, we will see. Also, uh, the Cowboys, this current Cowboys team is a lot healthier than that Packers team was. Nice. (laughs) Knock on wood.
5: Uh, John,
3: not going to be here tomorrow. What's your pick for the game? Uh, I got Cowboys thirty-one, Lions twenty-four. Nice. I just from when the schedule came out to season started till. Right after both games ended last week, I've never wavered on this. So I just, knowing the, both of these teams and the way that they play, I just, I will be very surprised if the Cowboys don't win this game. There you go. You're from Detroit. You got a lot of Detroit people hitting you up this week. I, I got five or six coming down, but yeah. that's also because, I mean, go to the game, but then also New yep. Year's yep. Eve, hang out. And Are they going to come hang out with Ooh, Cowboys JM pregame live? Up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cowboys pregame live beforehand? I'm going to try it. I'll see. I'll hey. see. I think they're going to be at Texas Live, but we'll, we'll try and get them to come over. That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. That'll be fun.
5: All right. We got to get off the air. John, we'll, we'll see you on Tuesday after oh. a happy new year. See you next yes, year. Yes, sir. Yeah, there you yes, go. Sir. For Isaiah Stanback, Chris Beam in the back, John Machota, Nick Harris, and Kyle Yeomans. We'll see you tomorrow with us. Say it with your chest Friday and more talking Cowboys.
0: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How
1: about this, Cowboys? Yeah!